The Muslim Bar Association of New York is a member-driven bar association that organizes educational, networking, and professional development events. Please visit Mobani.org to learn more and become a member. All content discussed on this podcast is for informational purposes only and does not amount to legal advice. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, we're really excited to have this Mabani coffee chat on transitioning from traditional legal practice. Um, you know, a lot of our members and others as well have considered alternative career paths um, using their, their JD and their legal background. So um, we're really excited, especially to hear from uh, some really great panelists today. And I'll give a brief introduction of, um, of them. Of course, there's a lot more that they can say about themselves. So <laughs> we'll definitely have questions um, that we've prepared and ask them on those. And then later on, we'll have a, a question and answer session. So if anyone has any questions, feel free to add them directly to the messages and we'll, um, we'll get those later on. So I, um, well, first, uh, why don't um, I just start with the introductions uh, of each of the people and then um, they can introduce, them, introduce themselves. Um, by themselves. So I'll start with Afif Nasuli, who is a producer at Spotify for the Wall Street Journal's daily flagship news podcast at Gimlet. Before this, Afif was a freelance journalist in Beirut and New York City, a segment producer for The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, where he worked closely with Hasan Minaj, and a freelance journalist at CNN with Fareed Zagaria, Don Lemon, Aaron Burnett, and The News Desk. And he is a recipient of the Google Podcast Creator Programs Global Competition in 2018. And he's a graduate of Emory University School of Law. So um, really cool. Wajiha <laughs> um, Rizvi is a former senior counsel at Entergy in Texas, where she focused on regulatory litigation and served on the company's diversity and leadership councils. She is currently transitioning into a career in equity and social justice advocacy. Most recently, she served as a voting rights legal fellow during the 2020 election at the Texas Civil Rights Project, where she worked to address voter suppression in Texas. She currently serves on the board of multiple advocacy organizations, including Girl Forward, which focuses on supporting girls displaced by global conflict and persecution. And um, she's also involved in Engage Texas, where she works on legislative efforts on behalf of Texas Muslims. Um, Wujiha is a graduate of University of Texas Law School. So um, really exciting. <laughs> and last, uh, Sayed Huck is an associate at, international, at the International Investment Bank Rothschild in the Restructuring and Debt Advisory Group. So prior to this, Sayed was a corporate and restructuring associate at the international law firms of Kirkland and Ellis, Wilkie Farr and Gallagher, and Bilson Elkins. Um, Sayed has worked on major restructuring transactions representing companies, hedge funds, and private equity funds, including major domestic and cross-border transactions, such as Aeromexico, Nine West, Energy 21, and Zenbeo Stoneway Capital. So Sayed also serves as a mentor on the associate board of an education advocacy nonprofit, and he is a graduate of the University of Michigan Law School. So thank you guys so much for um, being here, and I'll let you guys say hi as well um, and present yourselves. Um, I'll just go first. I um, appreciate being here. I appreciate um, getting to talk to you guys about the transition. But yeah, I'm a, essentially a, a news producer, um, a journalist slash news producer, which just basically means 
finding stories and making them sort of consumable and interesting enough to either make into TV or a podcast. It just depends on like the medium. And that has changed over time, actually, as, <laughs> as, as we, you know, the pandemic hit, podcasts became huge. But before then, um, it was a different scene. So thanks for having me. I'll go next. Hi, my name is Wajiha Rizvi. I'm the daughter of Pakistani immigrants and I'm excited to be a part of this panel. Um, yeah, I am currently in the unique position of being in the middle of the transition. Uh, I left my job as a regulatory litigator of uh, for nine years at Entergy back in August and um, immediately jumped into a voting rights gig with the Texas Civil Rights Project, did that uh, project through the end of the year, and I'm now taking some time to just um, very deliberately take a pause and focus on some radical healing, um, things like that to try and undo um, some of the damage that can be done of being a, a brown woman in the corporate world. Um, and so, yeah, just excited to be here and to talk to you more about this. Hey, this is uh, Saibak. Uh, pleasure to be here, and you know, with uh, with a great group of panelists. Um, so, yeah, I started off in the you know law firm uh, as a restructuring attorney. Spent four years there, um, and then eventually switched over to uh, restructuring uh, investment banking, and have been doing that for a couple of years now. And uh, yeah, probably you know, the least impressive of, of, uh, of the three people here, so. <laughs> no uh, well, thank you guys all again for, for being here. Um, you know, I think something that just as a start, we'd really like to know is if you could each tell us how you personally decided to transition into your respective career paths and what was the motivation behind your decisions? Um, I guess we could just go in the position, that's okay. Uh, yeah, I was in law school and it was my third year and I got this internship, which was probably, you know, not as well paid as a law student would be hoping for at CNN, but it was at CNN so they could do that. <laughs> and so I decided to take my third semester, even though I graduated from Emory, I had just suddenly got this internship with Fareed Zakaria and I was definitely gonna take it. It just felt so exciting. Um, it felt so, new and um it, his show was it's called global public square it was it's on sundays it's very international it's very academic it does touch on the law in some ways um but that kind of shifted it was like the end of my law career and i was sort of aware that i was more excited about news production just because i had done some stuff and i had done some stuff at the un and i had done some stuff at jimmy carter uh, at the carter foundation but those legal jobs that I had taken felt very short term. Um, it didn't feel like the, the things I was interested in the law, like were going to take me long term. Like it felt like they were very like, they were four lawyers who had been in the legal field for like 20 years. I was just getting to sit on like a UN sort of like, you know, committee against torture hearing. It wasn't something I was gonna be able to just jump out of the gate, jump into. So when I got that internship, I took it and I finished my um, semester and moved to New York City and honestly freelanced for CNN for a long time, a lot, a lot longer and for a lot less money than probably, you know, I should have because I was probably too old to be doing the things I was doing, but I hustled really hard and, and, and it worked out and I was very lucky. Uh, 
Yeah. So, you know, for me, it's interesting that you, Afif, mentioned the jobs that, you know, you're, that you get when you're like 20 years into your career. My first job out of law school was going directly in-house, which is a little unorthodox. Um, and I just sort of fell into it. I graduated in 2011 when, you know, obviously the economy was was causing people to lose their law firm offers and, and people were just really worried for what was going to happen in terms of employment. And so I just sort of fell into this in-house position. And I think the positive um, to that was that I was able to kind of, because I was starting from an unorthodox place um, in terms of legal jobs and the sort of traditional pathway, it kind of forced me to think a little bit differently about the path that my career can take. Um, you know, and so I stayed in that job for about nine years, um, but you know, my heart just wasn't in the work. I was feeling really unfulfilled by it. Um, and just pretty unhappy. And I always just a daydream about, you know, the day when I got the courage to, to leave. Um, and, you know, I always knew that I wanted to focus my career on amplifying the voices of those who have been marginalized. And, um, and, and I was doing that as a second and a third shift um, after, you know, my grueling day job. And so I knew that wasn't sustainable, but I knew that that's where my heart was. And so that I would eventually be making that tradition transition, um, you know, and then 2020 happened. And I think for so many of us that year, you know, just really brought all of our priorities into sharp focus. And, you know, we also saw arguably the most galvanizing civil unrest since the 1960s. And I just knew in my bones that that was the right time for me to, to make the move and to fully, um, you know, join in um, as a career focus in, in organizing and social justice work. And so um, that plus a lot of burnout was really what, what pushed me to, to make the move. Nice. And so for me, um, I would say that, uh, yeah, I, I didn't kind of, uh, you know, know what I wanted to go into uh, investment banking or anything like that when I was in law school. Um, you know, I, I kind of already always had a bend towards strategy and, and, and economics. Um, but, you know, I went to a law firm um, and, you know, kind of like what other people were saying, um, 2015, uh, I, the law firm I was working at, they had an oil and gas uh, kind of crisis and we represented a lot of oil and gas clients. Uh, so there was a lot of restructurings that were happening at that point. I fell into restructuring, I enjoyed it. Um, and restructuring is kind of an area of practice that there's a lot of, um, you know, inter kind of interlap between law and business and finance. So you tend to work with consultants a lot. You tend to work with investment bankers a lot. And, you know, the more I kind of kept doing it, the more I started gravitating towards uh, the financial aspects of, uh, of the transactions, the more I started thinking about those things. And, um, you know, uh, after four years or so, um, you know, I felt like uh, I had kind of, gotten a good value out of my out of my legal degree and you know um you know was ready kind of for, for another challenge a little bit um and you know i felt like um you know it, it, if i if i didn't take the risk it, because it was a bit of a risk um i would i would regret it um if i enjoyed it i would be happy and you know if it didn't work out i could you know maybe try to come back to a law firm and, 
and develop a you know have a pretty rare skill set um, still. So um, I'm glad I made the change. I'm I'm very happy. Um, but yeah, certainly kind of um, you know a little bit of serendipity there. It's interesting um, hearing from each of you and hearing how you each had very different experiences based on, I think, you know, where you were and the point that you made that transition and um, where you wanted to go. Um, I wonder, based on your experiences, um, how difficult was the process of making a transition from traditional legal practice and um, what type of steps and planning did you take or are you currently taking to ensure that you have a successful transition? Yeah, I think that at the beginning, the biggest, the toughest problem was a gap in finances, like just knowing that I had to sort of, I had all of this education that I felt really strongly about, that I felt strongly kind of differentiated me against a lot of the candidates that were going into this new field, right? Like I was entering news, the newsroom and it, it meant that I had to completely adopt an entirely new skill set despite having built an entire skill set but then I think what made it kind of nice actually what, what, what made it feel hopeful and, and doable was that a lot of the skill sets kind of you find where the Venn diagram is and then you exploit the, the places where what you've been taught can really work so right we've taught we've been you know taught how to look at contracts cross-examine things that like really do come up in all sorts of places in life like um reading a lot and summarizing like being able to synopsize and make things consumable and make an argument out of something and see point of views and i think a lot of the difficult part was finding out how to do that and how to sort of present my value in um a room of people who are just as competitive as lawyers are. I mean, people in the news world are um, really competitive. It's really hard to find a job. Um, and frankly, there's a lot of lawyers in, in the news world. So it's kind of like they know that you have to be able to figure out the skills that you were given and able to apply them because there's a bunch of people who have gone into the law or have gone to law school or have had a legal career that you know, we still need to build up the skills of being a journalist, of being a producer, which is also different than being a journalist. So I think for me, the beginning was about figuring out what skills I was coming in with and what needed to be worked on and what needed, like what hard skills needed to be developed, really. So, you know, I think for me in the beginning, it was more of a mindset shift, like really coming to terms with um, what being a lawyer meant to me and um, and what what I was sort of, what expectations were tied into that based on familial cultural expectations of, you know, what success looks like and having a JD looks like and, and the traditional mode of like what someone with a JD does. I, I found myself very encumbered by those sorts of um, mental blocks. And so, it really took a while for me to kind of grapple with all of that and understand that there are so many ways that you can use your JD um, and, and flourish. Um, and so one of the things that I did um, to that end that really I found helpful and I recommend if you have the ability to do it, realizing that not everybody does, is working with a, a career coach. Um, I worked with a coach to kind of 
go below the waterline and think about, um, you know, are there any negative messages that I've internalized based on my last years, you know, nine years in the corporate world um, as a woman of color that's hindering me kind of, you know, making this move. Um, and I think as lawyers, we often tie up a lot of our self-worth in what we do. And when that veers off of what is, you know, sort of the traditional mode, um, you know, it can kind of trip us up. And so um, I was really fortunate in that I, I made a point to find a, um, she was actually an Indian um, woman who, who understood sort of the, the um, expectations that they see families have for what, you know, their kid will do um, after graduating school and kind of some of those um, dynamics. And so that was really, really helpful for me to just kind of remove the mental impediments to being able to feel, okay, like I can be successful at doing this. Um, some of the other things that I focused on over the years, because I knew I was always going to make this move eventually was just saving up as much as I could to pay off my student loans. Cause again, as a few pointed out, like the financial dynamics are a very real concern, right? And so, um, you know, I, I worked really hard to um, speed up and expedite my student loan um, process so that that was not, you know, so that I had more opportunities sooner. Um, and then also making sure that I was involved in the spaces that I wanted to get into. So I mentioned doing that as a second and third shift. I started uh, mentoring with Girl Forward. Um, I was on a voting rights task force doing pro bono work with um, several civil rights organizations. Um, and that just really helped me to know the players and be able to have the contacts so that I could later call on them when I was ready to, to make a move. Yeah, I would say that, you know, echo, echo all of that. And I think some of the common themes um, that, 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 you know, that we're talking about is um, that, you know, you're, you, people are putting in a decent amount of work, uh, right? And so, so I would say that, you know, the, the process was not easy. It was, you know, it took time and effort and uh, not just effort from this, you know, and, and difficult from the sense of it was difficult for me to, you know, learn um, finance or, or, or math or things like that. But, um, you know, I wanted to kind of understand if I if this is actually what I wanted to do. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I kind of developed mentors in the field. Um, I, I studied independently um, in addition to kind of working um, you know, like we all do um, at, at, at kind of high stress jobs. Um, and, you know, it, it took me about a year uh, from the time that, that I decided to start, um, start making this move uh, a bit over the year, a bit over a year um, uh, to find a situation that I was happy with, right? And in terms of steps that I took, um, you know, I, I think that I took the traditional kind of step that some people in, who are doing what I want to take, which is just kind of take a course, um, an independent study course uh, on finance, just to kind of brush up, things like that. Um, you know, develop my connections, uh, you know, in the industries that I want to kind of be a part of. Um, and, and yeah, I think um, practice, um, be ready for the opportunity you know, reduce my risk. Um, I think like what you was saying, I paid off, you know, I, I made a point of saving, uh, you know, kind of uh, 
to pay off my student loans so that I felt like I could kind of make um, or take a risk as well. And, you know, the, I didn't have the kind of crushing um, overhang of, uh, of, of law school student loans. Um, yeah. And then, you know, like, like you were saying earlier too, it's, uh, it's a new skill set. So you kind of have to lose your ego, at least for me, it was, it was a bit of a new skill set, right? So you have to lose your ego, right? Just because someone's younger than you, just because someone's more junior than you doesn't mean that you can't learn from them, right? Um, and, and then, but you know, you got to balance that out with, uh, with kind of trusting yourself too. Um, we went to law school, there is a lot of benefit from, you know, from the education that we received. It's very analytical. Um, trust me, you know, what I do, um, I feel like in, in some ways is a lot more black and white than writing a brief, um, arguing in front of a court, um, or, or even some of the transactional work um, that people do. Um, it takes a lot of brain power to do that. Um, so, you know, I think, I think there's a, you know, you got to balance that. You got to kind of have a positive attitude. And, and once you kind of get the hang of it, you got to trust yourself to kind of take the driver's seat too. So, so that's, that's what I would say. It's difficult, it's doable, but people, you, you have to put in the effort. Thanks. No, that's very helpful. Um, and interestingly enough, I think in each of your responses, I, I noticed that um, each of you kind of had side gigs or side activities that you worked on. Um, you know, I know some of you are on board organizations or engaged in various interests outside of your full-time jobs at that moment that you were doing um, the earlier transition. And so I wonder, how did you think that helped you, if at all, in developing your career paths? And how did you leverage your existing network? Um, and what did that, that look like and involve? Yeah, so I'm, um, I was born and raised in Atlanta, but I'm originally uh, Lebanese. And so I have family in Beirut and I've spent a lot of time in Beirut. Um, and I think over my law career and in law school, I had taken a lot of opportunities to do different things that really spoke to why I was in the law to begin with and why I'm in journalism to begin with, which is really to protect those or try to help protect those people who are sort of either underprivileged or don't have a voice or feel like they um, are at a disadvantage in society. And I think that that kind of stemmed from being from the Middle East and having to constantly explain what was going on in Beirut um, and constantly explain what was going on in Palestine or constantly this or that. And um, that led me to doing um, a lot of law of war things, like specifically um, externships with the UN or being in a group that um, did a lot of work with uh, refugees or resettlement of women abroad who had been abused. I remember being on the uh, committee of one organization that we in law school created to basically write um, all sorts of just paperwork, like filing all sorts of things on behalf of uh, people in Egypt or, you know, like uh, domestic workers in Egypt who were being a, sort of mishandled and abused and needed legal representation and just sort of stepping into that role as like a totally like extracurricular activity, which eventually became the like driving force of me thinking, okay, these stories are super important. And I think that um, it's really interesting to be a lawyer on behalf of these people that need my help, but 
there doesn't seem to be um, a lot of give with where that career is going in, in terms of being like, oh, I'm just going to jump in and be, you know, a lawyer for the committee against torture, like I was saying earlier, it was pretty much not going to happen immediately and maybe not ever because a lot of the lawyers who were in this were also um, uh, an assortment of other things. So for me, um, being in Beirut and having a, a sort of stake in a lot of these stories, um, whether it was refugee sort of based like um, legal questions or whether it was just talking about the law of war and what was you know really important when war is occurring or a skirmish happens um, and how to describe that in legal like sort of um, like with the Geneva Conventions that sort of led me to being able to make all of those very large stories really complicated legal thought patterns into thinking more on a narrow story level for the news and whether it's like a segment that's four minutes on um, GPS or on CNN, or if it's a 15 minute podcast, essentially you're trying to find the tension and the story and the point of view that will grab the person into advocating for who the main story is, who the main character is, um, so that you can ultimately shift the calculus of how that person is in how that person is being treated in the world. And obviously that's a huge lofty goal that doesn't really literally happen, but it, you know, being a part of that has always been a through line. It didn't matter what I was doing. The point was to feel useful to society and helping people who are less privileged than I was um, and really feeling like telling someone's story and explaining the important parts of their story would ultimately help people learn what's going on um, and so, yeah, I, I feel like I did a lot of extracurriculars that did that and helped me get in front of people um, that understood where I was coming from and how to help me go forward with my career, whether it was just an internship or a mentor. I mean, I really advise meeting with people when you don't need anything from them at all. That helped me more than anything ever because it eventually played itself out a year later or two years later. It's not like you always need something from people that like, you always need a job, you always want money and you're always looking to be more ambitious. But I really do recommend going out and meeting people because you want to get to know them. And I found that that works way better when I'm not worried about something um, than when I'm doing it way before I'm worried about getting a job or changing. Um, something, just getting their advice and really building an actual intimate relationship with them where you don't feel weird when something does come up and they can help you. You're like, I already know you. This is awesome. I can. So um, extracurriculars and getting in touch with what you really care about in the world helps you because then you bond with people who also help, who also care about the things you care about. Yeah, I think that's, that's really good advice. I, you know, second that recommendation, I, you know, because I was able to work with civil rights activists and with organizations and um, that were in communities doing really amazing work already, I, I had a built-in network when I was ready to um, step away from my traditional legal job. And so um, I found that to be really helpful, not just in um, you know, lining up you know, a potential job, but also just in learning some really important lessons that um, 
focus on centering the narratives of the people that you're serving and not being able to do that unless you are a part of the community and, and you know, centering those voices. And so I learned a lot of really important lessons um, with that work. Speaking specifically to the board work, um, both the boards that I serve on are very much working boards. And um, that's been a real asset just because it allows you to see how mission-driven organizations work from you know, top to bottom. You're making decisions sometimes about staffing and about finance and, um, you know, strategic planning and programming and, and content and all of that. And so it really helps you figure out what you don't want to do, which I think is really, really important as well. So that when you're ready to transition, you have a fairly good idea of what it is that, you know, you don't think your time or your skills would be best applied to. Um, and so that was really key for me because it helped me understand that I'm more interested in the programming side and um, working directly with the, the communities that the organization is serving rather than um, you know, on the development side or, or whatever. So um, you learn a lot about what's not up your alley. And I think that's just as important as what is. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I, you know, I'd encourage people to be open to new opportunities or, or opportunities generally, right? Um, I'd say when I was in law school um, in my last year, um, you know, it, I was able to kind of work out a very non-traditional uh, program where um, I worked at a venture capital fund for 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 you know for a year, basically. Um, and, you know, this is a function of kind of me talking to the dean and talking to the fund and trying to see how we can kind of, you know, figure out a way for me to not have to take some law school classes um, and, and do that instead. Um, but, but be creative, right? I think that's the message. Um, uh, be opportunistic. Um, you know, personally, I, I would caution, um, you know, with you know on on at least in terms of um nonprofits and board work to find something that you're passionate about um you know rather than you know it being kind of a, a tool to develop your network first um you know so um for me i i care pretty deeply about um you know education advocacy uh i got interested in it uh you know I'd say probably throughout my life, just, you know, having been an immigrant um, from Pakistan and, and, you know, kind of um, going, growing up in the education system here, having my own kind of uh, gripes with it, um, and, but also in law school because we represented, um, you know, kids in those expulsion hearings. And so when I, when I had the time, you know, had the, had kind of um, the ability I got involved with, uh, you know, uh, an education advocacy kind of college prep uh, um, nonprofit in the city. Um, and yeah, it's been tremendous for my network. And, and you know, I've, I've definitely met people along the way. And I think to, to the point that was ma made earlier, I was not looking for anything from them, right? Um, I think that's, a, that's, 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 e that's kind of, um, it's very helpful to developing a relationship, a, a kind of a real relationship with someone, right? Um, because if you always feel, if, so if you feel like someone's really looking for some, something from you, um, you know, it, 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 there's always kind of that overhang involved, right? And so, um, 
so yeah, there have been points um, where people have called me through that network um, that that had questions um, and or needed advice or or kind of you know needed a setup and um, same you know vice versa. Um, you know, I think uh, I would say that even in what you're doing, right? Um, so, so that's a nonprofit part of it. Um, you you can kind of take the the time to develop your network um, with what you're doing. Uh, if especially if you work at a firm, right? Um, call the people that are that are on your deals. Uh, call um, you know if if you are looking to move into investment banking or or um, you know to a to a different field and to the extent that you actually interact with these people, like just get a coffee. Um, and I think the earlier that you do it, the better, right? The 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 nearer you are in your career. Um, you know, the younger you are, the, I think the, the more people see the potential and people, see, you know, see, see that type of stuff as well. So you kind of have a freebie kind of, uh, you know, uh, ask away type of questions um, because, you know, people are interested in, in, in learning about you and, excuse me, looking to help you. Um, and so, um, so that's, that's what I would recommend, um, you know, try to put yourself out there. Um, you know, at least with the nonprofit work, find what, what's passionate for you and, and go from there rather than, you know, where you can develop the mo- your, your most network, your biggest network, because you never know where people are in five, 10 years. Um, and then also try to do um, as much of that as you can on your job, on the job, right? Because you spend a lot of time um, at your job already. So you might as well get the full benefit from it. So I think you're on mute. Sorry, I realized I was on mute. <laughs> All very helpful advice, though. Thank you so much. Um, I guess uh, you know one thing that a couple of you had touched on earlier was um, some of the harder parts of, of the transition. So I was wondering, um, you know, have any of you faced challenges in the transition process, either in securing a job during the or during the course of your work as a result of having a non-traditional career path. So um, I don't know if you were compared to peers who may have gone to journalism school or, or business school or um, you know, pure social advocacy backgrounds. Um, and then kind of on the flip side of that coin, how has having a more diverse non-traditional path benefited you and served, an asset, served as an asset um, for you as in your career? That's a great, great question. I think. Firstly, it was hard to prove, I was saying this before um, we got on, it's hard to prove how law school is gonna really help your boss get what they need from you or a future employer, what they, unless they've been to law school or have literally done law and then transitioned into your industry, which is really possible. And so that's very helpful when that happens. But I think for me at the beginning, it was hard to prove that all of those hard skills that I had learned would really apply. Um, and so there was an amount of hard skills developing I had to do, right? Like I had to figure out what a journalist was and what they, you know, how cross-examining in, the, in law school or in any job really kind of can translate to finding you know, the most important questions to ask in a story and what, where the important and fun parts of a 
story is, because that's what cross-examination is literally. Like when you're really asking about all of the questions, you know, of um, when you get all of these, this paperwork and you're trying to find what the story is so that you can understand, you know, who, who might have liability and where, you know, a lot of this important sort of, where really cases are trying to take, you know, like shape. That isn't so different, but it is just different enough where I had to do a lot of developing. And then there's also just other things that have nothing to do with law, right? Like cutting tape. Like I had to really learn programs and software and just realize like, listen, like you don't know how to go into Pro Tools and um, Final Cut Pro yet. And you need to learn how to do that. Because if you don't know how to do that, you know, the law brings you up to a level of, of a, a very high level in a uh, industry. If you're doing editorial work and you're making choices on what you think um, is important to point out, that's great, but that's not really like how you start off a career in the news. Like that's later in life, right? Like that is what I'm getting to do now. Like, you know, 10 years sort of into it. It's like, you don't just out of the gate get to decide what stories are greenlit or which characters are the most interesting. But what's funny is that the law really accelerated my my experience like at the beginning it made it really slow but then in the middle and now or which is the middle it is showing up it's finally showing up and that's what the benefit is is that it's finally um been enough time where having trust from my bosses and having trust from my own self and having been in this industry and knowing all of the basics that took years to really perfect how to like really call someone up and ask them about sensitive situations and stuff like that now that I've been able to learn all of the fundamentals of putting a show together, what, you know, where the arc is, where the break should go, like what, you know, how the host should say this thing is, is all of this fundamental stuff that has really been beautiful to marry um, with my legal background. Because what that means is now that I have all of these fundamentals down, I really do know how to analyze a lot of essentially words, right? Transcripts, like going in and quickly figuring out where the, you know, boiler plate is and what doesn't matter and what is really important is something we've all been trained. The law school really trains you in a way that everybody I think wishes they were trained or has to train themselves eventually because they have to be able to read a lot quickly and synopsize, like summarize things and really explain what the point is, the pitch. But that exists in so many different industries. So for me at the beginning, it was hard to catch up, to be given trust. But once I did that work, whatever the work will be for your industry, um, you will realize that your background and your education will pay off. It, it's, you've gotten so many skills that you might not need to use immediately, but that you will use and that you're using already naturally. Um, and so, I mean, for me, it's shown up because like there have been people in the law who are like, now I do a story on like mandatory minimums or a story on all sorts of things that the law are, is a part of. And it's really evident that having a legal background doesn't scare me from really confronting those stories and saying, 
I don't understand this legal question. Whereas, whereas like someone else who has a, have a law, law background is almost afraid to ask or afraid to even, maybe they, it just goes over their head and that they feel like I don't understand this. So I'm not going to touch it. It's like, no, I don't understand this. And I think that that's important for me to understand is something that I think law school helps you. And just having a legal background helps you confront without so much fear. It's usually like, oh, this is unclear. And I want to know what, I want you to clarify it. So, you know, it, it's hard at first, but it, it eventually pays off. Um, it's interesting because I, I agree. I mean, I think so much of what makes us strong um, in other areas is the ability to distill things down and the analytical mind um, that we're so, that's just sort of ingrained and inculcated in us for years. Um, you know, I think the biggest challenge for me especially at this sort of juncture that I'm in, in my transition is being okay with saying no to a job. Um, you know, after all the work that I had done to get up the courage to make the move and leave. Um, and then after that, working on a really fulfilling project um, during the course of the election, um, you know, I, I got an, an offer pretty quickly after that, um, that would have been really seamless and, and it was perfect on paper um, with the civil rights organization. It was a leadership position that just, um, you know, just ticked all the boxes for my ego and it was, it was great. Um, but there was a wisdom inside of me that was like, you know, I don't know if this is the right job job for me. And um, there was some external evidence to kind of back that up. And that was probably the hardest thing that I had done second to actually leaving was um, being able to be okay with the lack of comfort um, and the vulnerability of just creating space for you to be really thoughtful about what it is that you want to do. Um, and so I think that's, that's really indicative of sort of when you're in the middle of the transition. Um, but once you get somewhere, um, kind of hearkening back to the project that I did uh, during the course of the election, I noticed that people with more just well-versed social advocacy training who had just been living in this work for so long were just so adept at being able to offer holistic support. So, for example, you know, I, I talked to a voter who uh, reported, you know, in Texas, there was rampant voter intimidation at polling locations. A lot of the same groups that you saw at the Capitol on January 6th in DC were showing up at polling places across Texas. And, um, and so we would have people, often people of color calling in and to the, the um, National Election Protection Hotline, which our organization was staffing all of the, the Texas uh, complaints for, um, and, and talking about these incidents that were happening. And, you know, my main focus as a lawyer was to immediately speak to, okay, what is a legal remedy? Who do we need to call the DA's office? We need to do this. We need, you know, like just kind of springing into action with just the specific legal recourse, not really thinking about the fact that this could be really triggering for the witness and for the communities that they belong to, you know, people are going to feel um, reticent to go show up. And I noticed that my colleagues were immediately going into doing things like safety planning, helping to make the person who made the report feel seen and just kind of more holistically providing support to that person and to those communities, which I mean, immediately, like I really had to work hard to train my brain to think about 
the sort of multifaceted approach to provide that support. So that's just one example I can think of where um, a legal, a legal uh, background doesn't always help you see things um, with sort of a full picture and you have to kind of train yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that, I would say that, you know, being a lawyer, going to law school, the, the main skill that I think we're all kind of taught is, is to be problem solvers, right? Um, and to kind of see the problem, identify, you know, the issue, that, that type of stuff and, and kind of distill it um, and, and kind of provide a precise answer. Um, and that's important and that's a very important skill set. And, um, you know, I think lawyers are very good at that. Um, I think what Afif was saying earlier is that you kind of need to learn a language if you're going to be doing, you know, if you're going to be switching into something else, right? And th that's kind of the way I, I view it, right? And so um, if you're kind of producing a show, there's a whole language and, um, you know, what you need to actually, you know, the, the process of it, um, the, the technical aspects of each of the individual, you know, parts of the job. You need to learn that language and you need to develop that those fundamentals. If you're an investment banker, um, you need to develop a strong fun, fundamental and financial analysis, um, and and the the you know kind of tools that you use to do that, right? Um, Excel, these types of things, um, and you know you have to devote time and effort to learn them. Um, and once you do. Um, then I think is when uh, your kind of legal skill sets start kind of coming into the forefront, right? Um, that's when you can be a problem solver. Like we were saying earlier, um, you rarely start out, um, especially, I mean, if you, start, if you switch careers late in your career, right? Um, you know, 10 years, four, 10, 12 years after being a lawyer, say you were a partner at a law firm or or, you know, a director at, at, at you know, uh, or general counsel or something like that, maybe, maybe, you know, the position is a little bit different. Um, but if you're making a transition, like, towards the earlier part or mid part of your career, um, it's rare that you're going to come in and be the decision maker right away. And, you know, I think lawyers are, are good at kind of being decision makers, because part of it is identifying kind of, um, you know, all sides, at least the way I think about it, um, of, of a problem and, and doing that in a relatively quick way and, and kind of driving at what the solution is. Um, but to do that, you know, you need to have kind of the foundations and that's what I think is a language. And, and that takes a little bit of time to, to get a hang of, um, you know, I, I'd say I'm still getting a hang of it, but the legal training and the law firm training and the, the, the law school training are starting to come at the forefront now, right? Like in the transactions that we work on, um, I can kind of quickly say, I, I'm not sure that that's going to work um, because not only because, you know, I know that doesn't work from like a numbers perspective, or maybe it does work from a numbers perspective, but it doesn't work from like a practical perspective where there's like a whole other hosts of risks that we're not quantifying here that, 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 that make this, you know, not, ex you know, you can't execute it. Right. Um, whether that's political risk, whether that's, um, you know, risk associated with a certain geography, um, you know, that's, that's when you can start kind of like, you, you start seeing um, the problem solving skill sets come in, but, um, 
yeah, it, I think the difficulty for a lot of people when they switch, um, and I think it's the mindset of when people are looking to switch in the conversations that I've had is that they're looking to make those, you know, high level decisions at the start. And, you know, they're, they're not kind of investing in, you know, learning the fundamentals and language of what you're trying to, to, you know, build your career in. Um, so, so I'd encourage people to do that. Um, because that's kind of where the difficulty, uh, for me, maybe people who are smarter than me, uh, didn't have that kind of same level of difficulty, but that's where the difficulty was, um, for me. And, you know, I, I spent time preparing. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, I think you should expect it no matter what. Um, and, you know, and, and that way you're, you're more accepting of, um, you know, uh, the, the kind of trials and tribul tribulations of transitioning into a different career, because that's, I think that's natural. There's, there's growing pains um, whenever you're making a change like that. Thank you all. Yeah, that's very helpful perspective. And I am cognizant that we're almost out of time. So I'll ask uh, one final question um, kind of to, to close it out and um, everything that we've been discussing, but what would you, you know, give as advice um, to those people who are thinking about transitioning, who are interested in, um, you know, making that transition into alternative career paths? I think my like final advice is really about locating what makes you motivated and what makes you happy. I think like ultimately a lot of these considerations are about money at first because you're like, how am I going to truly survive? And, and I think I've come to find that it's obvious and I think everybody will be like, ah, oh, you're being so cheesy. But when you really like to do something or you really believe in doing something, um, I think you'll persevere because you care about it and you won't stop caring about it. Um, it's, and I don't mean like a decision you make. I mean like really figuring out what you want to be doing on a daily basis, even, even though the daily basis might not be fun. Like a lot of my days aren't necessarily that fun. Um, a lot of times they're just, you know, it's less exciting than other days, but generally speaking, I finally am doing something I really like. And I haven't been, it's not like I was doing that out of the gate in journalism. And I was doing all, I was doing a lot of grunt work and a lot of helping um, people do their job. But I think what helped me was figuring out if I really wanted to be my boss. And if I didn't want to be my boss, how to move on and to find someone I'd work um, for that I really wanted to become. Um, and, or if there was a position that was like, oh man, that's like, I see myself doing that. And I've had so many jobs and I don't think it's bad if you have a job where you're like, I don't see myself as my boss. I think that that's good information. I think information is what you need to be gathering at all times. We're never going to be a hundred percent happy with anything. And I think, you know, putting like a lot of pressure on yourself doesn't necessarily make the thing move faster. I think you just have to gather information and that really has to come from a place of love and like a lot of self um, actualization, like really thinking about what you like and thinking about how you can share what you like with other people so that you can build things together. Um, and I think monetizing how you build things together with other people is like the ultimate goal because then you can sustain yourself, but really locating what gets you going, what makes you feel inspired and what makes you feel excited to get up and do whatever you're doing that day will work out much better than, you know, 
really thinking, man, I need to have a good career. Like I really need to make a lot of money. Like I really need to be, you know, proud of this career. Those are all very vague. And I think the more specific that you get about what you'd like to do, um, even if it can feel super unrealistic, I think that that doesn't matter. I think that like the action, acting towards getting to what you like will happen in conversations. It'll happen with doors opening without you knowing it, but sort of leading with how you really imagine yourself to be in the world and who you're trying to be like and who you're trying to be around and what you wanna be doing with those people and, and, and really figuring out if that job exists and then going towards that job. And then maybe realizing that is, you know, you're just always trying to get one step closer. It's never, there's never the ultimate end goal. I mean, there's just, you know, goals shift and change. So just lead with what you really like and trust yourself. What you really like is what is good for you. That is period. What you like is what is good for you. And, and I think we, a lot of us in our backgrounds culturally might get mistaken we might mistake what we like for something that is inappropriate or not enough or you know not um going to fulfill all of these other people in our lives dreams for us but really it's your life so what you like to do is going to be the most like beautiful and strong way to be so just do that and yeah, that's all i really think is my best advice for you yeah i would just say you know it's okay not to have it all figured out right now. Um, one of the things that I found myself doing constantly um, just over the better part of the last decade was chastising myself because everyone else seems to have it figured out and they know what they're doing with their careers. And you know, if I'm going to transition, that's going to be some sort of a destination and that's where I will stay, right? But we are all constantly in a state of transition. And um, you know, if you're not evolving, then um, you know, what's the point, right? And so um, to that end, you know, don't castigate yourself if you're in a job that you're not happy with and you know that you want to transition out and you're just in sort of, you're still trying to, um, you know, consider all of the avenues to make that happen. Um, you know, trust yourself and know that if you want to transition, it's going to happen at just the right time for you. Um, and, and, you know, it might not happen in the way that you expect it to. I think career pivots really sometimes require you to sit with a lot of uncertainty and vulnerability and that can feel icky sometimes. And, but I think once you're, when you're holding on to that vulnerability, also hold on to a deep and abiding belief in yourself and your strengths and know that you are going to land somewhere and it's going to be a place that that is is meant for you and all you have to do is just you know obviously do the work and hustle to get there but that it doesn't help to give yourself a lot of negative self-talk and all the shoulds and, you know, the if onlys, and let me just compare myself to this person next to me. Um, you know, that's never a helpful way to do it. So just really a deep and abiding belief in, in yourself and your own capabilities. Yeah, it's uh, really easy to go last here because I can keep it always brief. Um, so yeah, echoing everybody's points, um, you know, I'd say hustle you have to hustle if you're going to kind of uh you know make a transition um most people that i know who made transitions um not just from law to banking but to law to 
a host of other kind of uh, professions are are hustlers. Um, you know, develop mentors um, that uh, can also keep you positive, and maybe you're not always positive. People that you can talk to um, because you're going to have insecurities, um, and you're going to have kind of uh, "Am I doing this right?" type of a you know moments all the time, right? Not all the times, but but it'll, it'll happen. So you know, make sure you have those people to talk to. Um, they don't always have to be in the field that you're in, um, but uh, it helps. Um, and, you know, just try to understand the day-to-day of what you're going to be doing. Um, you know, really understand why it is that you're looking to make a transition into what you're making the transition to, right? Not just because, oh, it's cool, um, or I always wanted to, you know, other people think it's, you know, it's, it's interesting, or I always wanted to try to do this. Um, but to really understand what are you actually going to be doing? Um, and is that something that you find interesting? Um, you know, because, yeah, because that's, that's kind of, that's kind of, you know, going to drive what you're doing um, for a long time, and you're going to devote a significant amount of time to it. So, uh, so those are the three things. Um, and um, yeah, I think, stay positive that last comment i think is is very important um because it takes you know it takes time you know usually it's rare that's going to happen like a month or two right so it might take a few a year or two years you gotta stay positive and keep hustling throughout that time period i think that's a good positive note <laughs> to end it we're unfortunately out of time but i do want to say thank you again to each of our panelists, um, you know, Afif, would you say it's really been such a pleasure, and we really, really thank you for coming here, sharing your your stories and your time with us, and giving all so much advice, which I found really helpful. So thank you, <laughs> um, and you know, hopefully we'll see you again soon. And uh, you know, it was great meeting you and chatting with you. Thank you so much for your time, and thanks for everyone for jumping and watching us. Oh, 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 oh,